From our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Adam Shankman is full of nonstop energy, which is good because he appears to have about six jobs at any given time. He was a choreographer and dancer. He danced for Janet Jackson and Paula Abdul videos. He was a longtime judge on So You Think You Can Dance on TV. He's written young adult novels, produced film and television, and somehow he has time to direct movies. A lot of movies. The Wedding Planner, set in San Francisco, is one of his. The 2007 remake of Hairspray. And now What Men Want. The sort of but not really remake of the Mel Gibson, Helen Hunt movie What Women Want. Taraji P. Henson is a sports agent who doesn't do romance until she can suddenly hear what men are thinking. It has two hallmarks of Shankman movies. He's exceptional working with actors who are seemingly out of their normal typecasting. Henson has a lot of physical comedy scenes and is excellent in the movie. And it's not mean. There are likable characters everywhere and you feel good walking out of the theater. Shankman is delightful in this interview. We talk about what men want. We talk a lot about the Bay Area, why San Francisco is the most theatrical city. And Shankman tells a great story about meeting John Waters before he shot the 2007 Hairspray. It's worth sticking around for. Datebook Podcast, thanks for listening. Adam Shankman, welcome to the San Francisco Chronicle. Welcome to San Francisco. Thank you so much. I am so happy to be here. I I, I miss this city. I love this city. Yeah. I'm not here enough. My dad is from this area, so I I um I grew up coming here. Um, I remember, I remember like my whole life. I remember my mother set. We were staying at the Fairmont. My mother set fire to our room. That's one of my favorite <laughs> memories from growing up. Okay, I already have a bunch of follow up questions. You're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're father is from here my father is from um yes the bay area he grew up in oakland um and then i, I well sassoon mm-hmm. um green valley highlands yeah and, i was uh, married in green valley adam oh really yeah. well yeah, that's a lovely wedding <laughs> that's where my grandparents lived forever i spent a lot of time yeah. on that golf course yeah um and uh Producer, choreographer, but director of What Men Want, yeah. February 8th? February 8th, we're coming up. And uh, I wanted to ask you just first about choreography. Uh-huh. If you have an early choreography moment, was there a movie or was there something that sparked something in you? Because that was your first career, correct? Well, my first career was um, dancing and then kind of chorus boy. Yeah. Like, um, that's that was my big dream in life was to be a chorus boy. Like, um I, I grew up watching musicals and going to, uh, you know, see movies. I, I, I grew up with a lot of fantasy around mm-hmm. me. Um, and my mom and dad shared a great love of musical theater and musical movies. And so that was uh, sort of deep within my that, – that's deeply embedded in my, my upbringing. Mm-hmm. Um, and – you know, I, I'm not that guy who can go like, I remember like when I saw The Red Shoes or Singing in the Rain or it wasn't that. It was like, it was sort of more cumulative. I mean, mm-hmm. the, it was just like music and, and dancing were just like, a, just a part of me. And, um, and my parents loved it too. So I, so 
yeah, it just sort of went down that way. And then I, when I was when I was young, like I started participating in plays because I thought I was going to be in theater um, when I was really young. And I I love play acting and playing piano and and all of that and singing, you know, classical, you know, songbook material and Broadway and yada yada yada. And then I. Um, and then I was just doing theater in um, both summer camp and school and starting to compete in like school competitions and I was part of play production and all that. So, I, you know, my path was sort of laid out very early. I, I just stuck to it, you know. It was sort of like rather than it becoming the sideline thing, I just sort of hung in there. W- was there a point during the choreography where you were thinking, I'd like to direct? There's a path no, there to No, there was never. Th- that is one thing I can say for sure. There was never that. I mean, the choreography thing didn't start until very late. Like, I didn't start dancing. I took my first dance class at Juilliard. I had gotten into Juilliard, and then I took my first dance mm-hmm. class, basically. And... Um, my audition was a little like flash dance. It was just like, it was just, it was crazy. I can't believe that I got in. I think that everybody at Juilliard couldn't believe I got in. Um, and then when I left, I just wanted to be a chorus boy and do musical theater. And um, I moved back out to LA after a few years doing a lot of regional theater. And while I was dancing out here, I got, I got a job dancing for Janet Jackson Mm-hmm. Um, I shouldn't say out here. I'm in San Francisco. When I was in L.A., I got a job dancing for Janet Jackson, and then um, Paula Abdul hired me to do the Oscars in 1990 when she was choreographing that. And I, I did a video for her, and then um, I then I wasn't working very much, and I lied my way. Like somebody – my roommate at the time was working in a production office of a music video mm-hmm. place, and – Literally, somebody ran into the room and said, we've lost our choreographer. And I sort of turned around and went, well, I'm a choreographer. I can do it. And they were like, okay, you got to meet the director right now. And, and you were not a choreographer. I was not a choreographer. <laughs> I was a dancer, and I, but I needed a job. Yeah. And they hired me. I lied. I said that I'd worked with Janet Jackson and Paul Abdul, which was not a lie, but I had definitely not choreographed for them. Yeah. And... Um, and that started my whole career because it ended up being a very successful collaboration with the director, who was Julian Temple, who was a very prolific music video director, commercial director of the time. So um, that's how that happened. But So then that just kept like rolling along for years. I never really turned back. I didn't professionally dance anymore, almost virtually after that ever. Yeah. Um, and I never fantasized about becoming a director I just thought I was all. I just suddenly was like, "Oh, well, this is my life forever now. I'm going to do this. I don't even know that I'm very good at it, but I'll I'll just keep going, um, as long as people will hire me." Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, twelve years in, um, some people said to me like, "We think you should direct." A couple actors said to me, "You should direct," and I took the opportunity. And so I used what little money I had saved up. And I made a short film, but this was back before digital. I mean, it was literally, I had to like ask for film ends and- It was expensive to make a short film. It was even. expensive to make a short yeah. film. I mean, yeah. it was like, I think mine ended up costing like $45,000 yeah. or something, but I also had like a hundred dancers in it and I had <laughs> like multiple sets and I had like all of this crazy stuff going on. I mean, it was very dance and music based short film. And my producer of that film uh, without asking me, um, entered me into Sundance and I got in. And so when while all that was going on, but b- right before I did that, my sister, who is a producer, my younger sister, um, was um, trying to get a movie made. And she said, um, 
will you ever would you ever come in and meet as a director and I said sure and I read the script and I gave her notes and she was like this is great please come in I I went in and I got the job and that job was the wedding planner yeah in San Francisco which uh, was Jennifer made Lopez. in San Francisco yes and um but yeah that was never the plan that was never ever the plan yeah and um you know so here I am and then after that no one would hire me as a choreographer anymore so I had to keep directing. <laughs> First movie, and in San Francisco, people, San Francisco has a reputation for being not a really easy place to it's make not, a It's not, really yeah. it's really expensive. It's really expensive. How was it for permitting. you? It was fine for me. I was sort of oblivious to all of that. I wasn't a producer on that. I'm a producer now on all my stuff, but I don't, yeah. but then um, I left that to other people. You know, that yeah. was 20 years ago. So, um, uh, I was just naive and I was just like going along. I thought it was easy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, everywhere we went, I would. But here's the thing about San Francisco. There, the the iconic locations in San Francisco are just so freaking picturesque. I mean, it is, it, it production designs itself. There's, mm-hmm. you know, you do not have to do much to the exterior locations of this city to make it look theatrical. It is a theatrical looking city. Yeah. Um, its topography is magnificent. The parks are gorgeous. The buildings are historic. The there's the ocean. The th- I mean, it's just it's just, it's just beautiful. So it's it's great. Yeah, I, I live in Alameda, and I take the ferry back every day, and then I look back at the city, and every day it's, it's like a different like the sky looks different. There's something I'm, I'm blown away every day. I never get sick of it. It's magnificent. You know, yeah. I I mean, honestly, like I, I live, I have a place in New York now, but I, when I was living in New York. I, um, I, w- when I was younger, I felt I, I didn't have enough money to ever leave the mm-hmm. city, basically. And so I was always in it. So w- when you're living inside of that a lot, you just see a lot of vertical and it looks, you know, pretty gray. It's when you, but, you know, New York is pretty big. And so when you get outside of it and get to look back at it, I mean, that feeling of like flying into any of these cities that have these beautiful, metropolitan you mm-hmm. know architecture it's just it's heaven for me well i i'm going to speed through your career now so step up movies thank you for giving us channing tatum You're welcome. uh the yeah. hairspray 2007 thank you for giving us zach efron <laughs> um, you produced the academy awards I in did. uh 2000 2010 2010 which was 20 years after i had danced on the oscars as a dancer yeah and then 20 years later, it was my show. And I got to produce. I was oh. the youngest producer in history for that show. That and must have been lovely. It was, I cried all night. Yeah. I cried all freaking night. And that wasn't there one was, of the years where they like switched the best picture or something. No, no, no. no. There was no big gaffes in it. I mean, I had some really, I had some historic moments. I had. Um, who won the best? I'm sorry. Who won the best? Just so I can get the placement of it. Hurt Locker. Hurt Locker. Against Avatar, the biggest movie in history, won over. And best, you know, directors was Catherine Bigelow, the first female director in oh, history to get the Oscar you know, against her ex-husband who had made the biggest movie in history. You yeah. know, it was like it was just an extraordinary, um, an extraordinary night. And they that's when they kind of, you know, for the time reintroduced the 10 best picture, you know, thing to try to open things up a little bit. It's so funny, like the Academy is um, really wants to do the right thing by everybody. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And they are always betwixt and between because ABC rightly wants the ratings. And they want, you know, the, the, you know, they want 
a big, big show and entertainment in there. And the Academy is like, but this is a night about us and excellence and all that. So they don't really care about the entertainment part of it. Um, so it's a very push me, pull you experience producing that show. But you're you're happy. You, you're smiling I'm fine. about oh, it. Yeah. Freaking, are you kidding? It was like the heaven on earth. <laughs> it was like I was. Um, how much can I swear on this? Like, you could swear. I just oh, put yeah. a little. Uh, I, yeah, I could put I, a little explicit. I don't on even it. think it was a pig and. <laughs> like I was like I was like let's just bring on the chorus girls and let's you know make the show. And I did something actually that was really funny. I I, I think I'm the only producer who's ever actually done this. Is I contacted every woman who was going to be presenting on the stage, uh-huh. and two weeks before I said send me pictures of your dresses. I need to see the fittings because I want your entrances and exits to be comfortable for you. So if you're walking downstairs, something like that, I need to know what you're wearing so I can properly bring you in and bring you out. Uh So I had pictures of everybody's um, clothes before, you know, they came on. And I got from a very dear friend of mine who I will not name sent me her picture and said, just so you know, my dress wants you to know it wants a very long walk. (laughs) (laughs) Very nice. Yes. So. Well, I, Going through forward even more, uh, what women want? Did you see the original? I did see the original, the Nancy Meyer, Mel Gibson, Helen Hunt movie. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, give yeah. me, give me your review. What, what did you when you saw? Well, it, did when you I like saw it, it, I remember it feeling very at the time. It was very entertaining. It was. It, I remember it feeling very big, and Mel Gibson was incredibly charming, and Helen Hunt, you know, it just seemed very sort of, excuse me, smart and pithy and. Um, Marissa Tomei was terrific in it, and I remember thinking it was very charming and very funny, and then when I got took this job, I went back and watched it, and the craft of the movie is great, and the writing is great, but you couldn't make that movie in today's climate. Like, no. the, the way that he treats women, and, and is, it's insane. But weirdly, underneath, the messaging underneath that movie is you can't be that way with women, and it'd be okay. Yeah. Like, he has to learn to treat women well. And so it has this sort of subversive feminist message underneath it, but it is really overshadowed by his extraordinarily toxic sort of chauvinism and you know, misogyny. And there was something about when I heard this movie was being remade, and I'm calling it like a spiritual cousin because there's no yeah. similar characters or anything, a little bit of me was thinking about that now, can this movie be made now but you made it totally different it's yeah it's, a, it's an empowerment movie that's at the center of yeah it. it's a total reimagining of what would happen if a woman got this power and it shares no other dna basically yeah you know there is there is the funny uh, in in the mel gibson one he has a funny reading mine sex scene with marissa tomei and in mine there's one with her and aldous hodge with Taraji and aldous hodge but those are the only two scenes that have any kind of yeah kinship but like what, what you're not going to do that like i needed to like i need to like because i i personally i'm without like getting into sort of them any like too much information kind of territory i i think about that sometimes like when i'm with my man like yeah. i like i'm like <laughs> when those eyes get closed i'm like what, what are they thinking where, where they go what, what's happening what's happening like and i get in my own head you know yeah. what i mean sometimes and yeah. um I think that it's something that it's, it's fairly common. It's a sex scene in the movie where yeah. she can she can hear what's going hear, on. Hear in his what's head. going on, and, and, and it's not funny. exactly the best review of her. <laughs> so very funny movie. I enjoyed it. Um, I 
also found it touching. I, I cried a little at the end. I'm a little bit of a crier, but you know, I didn't think I was going to cry at this movie. It was it was very sweet movie. Didn't you? Did you feel as a man indicted in any way? Not at all. Yeah, not at all because I've seen so many movies that go the other way, and you know, I grew up watching Revenge of the Nerds and thinking that's funny, and now I watch it and I'm like, oh, that's a rape. You know, I mean, yeah. it, it. So I feel like. You know, I have boys. I don't have daughters, but I feel uh, definitely watching a movie like this. Like, okay, it's it's okay for the men to kind of look bad in this. And the men, the father, there are good characters. The father is a the father and the very love kind character, or, and the love interest is a very and then one kind of the, one character. of her other and a couple of her other co-working men. I mean, her assistant is a man who yeah. is great, and there and you know Max Greenfield's character, you know, seems wobbly, but like you know. You know, kind of balances out, and it's you know, it, I think that it's very fair and balanced. I don't think I don't our... think men can complain that way for for at least a decade. That's my feeling. But I, I have to say, right now, I don't know if anybody's going to be happy on my team for saying this, but like as as a white guy, I feel like we've had a good run. Like <laughs> right right now, I think like I I I am really happy that there is, is attention elsewhere in the world, making yeah. sure that everybody else is uh, making sure that everybody else is being looked after. Sure. Well, very much a, a empowerment movie, and Taraji P Henson. Um, did she was she already attached when you got involved? She was attached and, when I got involved, and she is the reason that I came on. She's fantastic. Yeah, I, I mentioned Channing Tatum and Zac Efron, and you know, you, your movies in the past. I've gotten a sense of discovery with actors. I've seen yeah, Jennifer her Lopez stuff. had never done a romantic comedy when I did Wedding Planner, and yeah. so that you know, and Mandy Moore and Shane Watt, you know, they were they were new when I did Walk to Remember, and and even like. Queen Latifah hadn't done a comedy before I did Bringing Down the House, I don't think. Vin Diesel? Vin Diesel as a comedy <laughs> character in The Bass Fire. Like, you know, who knew? Um, and, you know, there, there's been Miley Cyrus and Liam Hemsworth like in producing that. So it's like I, 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 I work with actors who are dipping their toe into untested territory. Um, she didn't. It didn't feel like she was in untested territory. She reminded me of a, Sandra Bullock and having yeah. a having a – uh, clumsiness, but also there's a, a I don't know. There's something about it's fearless. It. It's fearless. It's, it's Thank fearless. You. It's yeah. fearless. It's courageous. She does not care if she looks stupid. She do, you have to 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 really rise to the top of the comedy game. You have to not care if you uh, look like a fool. Yeah. Sometimes that's just that's that's just part of it because things go. Things are the funniest when the characters are at their most desperate, mm -hmm. and there it is not a good look to be that desperate. Yeah. And so she understood that and she knew that she was going to be um she was going to be taken down a peg in this yeah. and she loved it. But she has not shown any fear in any of the characters that she's played throughout her career. She's she's not like careful or delicate about how she's perceived or um she every character is really fleshed out full of like rich irony and kind of uh, like complicated wisdom and and self-assuredness or insecurities that all seem to uh, make for a really f fully fleshed out character and like a lot of humanity and so i thought that is a that is a person that i want to work with and and we can we can do some really interesting stuff together yeah, you know she was fantastic um 
there are a lot of scenes or a lot of uh, situations that I felt like were just kind of comedy petri dishes. I mean, you have uh, Erica Badu, very funny, hilarious as a tarot card reader. Mm-hmm. You've got this uh, girlfriends group mm-hmm. um, that are just kicking it a few times in the movie. You've got a poker scene. I feel like like there was a lot of improv in this, just a lot of, and, and you tell me, I mean. There is. I mean, the, the scenes were completely scripted and we, I mean, there are things like in the movie that, <clears throat> were loosely scripted. Like, um, yeah. there's a scene where she's getting ready to have potential sex with Kellen Lutz, uh-huh. and she goes into a bathroom, and we that that was not scripted virtually at all. It just says she goes into the bathroom and gets ready, and I just sort of put a little microphone. I had a microphone and put a little speaker in the bathroom with her, and I said, okay, we have like about 10 minutes to shoot this scene, so I put up two cameras. And I just said, now do this, now do this, now do that. And she just kept doing everything I told her to do. And it was, it's so funny in the movie. Like the laughter during that scene Mm -hmm. gets really high pitched. Um, And again, there's just an enormous amount of trust. So when you hire a cast like Tracy Morgan, Wendy McClendon, Covey, um, Jason Jones, um, uh, Erica, like all of those actors, when you put them in a room together, you do not want them to be, or I did not want them to be handcuffed to the script. Like mm-hmm. w- we got everything that was scripted, and then I said, okay, now let's kind of go a little nutty. Nice. And we did. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to, um, sorry, bad segue, but uh, do. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to. I love a bad segue. Nothing, <laughs> nothing appeals to me like a bad segue. Okay. A little bit of a lightning round. I'm going to ask you a few quick questions. Do and, it. Uh, uh, did you get to meet John Waters for Hairspray? Okay. Because uh, he lives in I, San Francisco here. We see him on Can I buses. tell you my John Waters story? Do I have time? Yeah, you have time. Okay. Yeah. So when I got the job for Hairspray, we were actually shooting Step Up in Baltimore. And when it all happened, I said, can I get John Waters' email address? And New Line, the studio sent it to me. And they said, uh, and I wrote an email. And all it said was, dear Mr. Waters, my name is Adam Shankman. I was just hired to direct the movie of the musical of Hairspray, I Hope You Don't Mind. Um, wishing you all the best. Hope to meet you one day, Adam. Within five minutes, I got an email <laughs> back saying, oh my God, this is so fabulous. I'm so excited for you. Where are you? And I said, well, and then I wrote him back. Weirdly, I'm in Baltimore. And he was like, can we have lunch tomorrow? Oh my God. So I'm like, my head explodes first. It was like scanners, like get big gay scanners. And so like, you know, sparklers and disco balls exploded out of my neck. And I and we met for lunch the next day. And I was terrified because I so desperately did not want to disappoint this man. And, um, and you know, he's John Waters. And so he feels very mercurial. Like I couldn't, I didn't know what I, I didn't know what to expect. And he is the most kind, supportive, creative, imaginative, free-spirited man. And he, we had lunch, and then he said, well, do you want to see the neighborhood? And I said, what neighborhood? And he said, where I shot the movie, where I shot Hairspray. And I was like, are you kidding? So we jumped in his car, and he drove me around to all the places yeah, that they shot the his version of Hairspray. <laughs> And then he showed me even like the homes where the people that the characters were based on lived oh and goodness. like all the real stuff. And I I, I felt like I was going to die. Like I, di- I was so overwhelmed with my gratitude to this man's generosity about like I could have tanked that thing. Like I could have been the worst. And he was just so excited and generous. And I said – I expressed to him. I was like, you have so many fans of your movies and there's so many fans of the musical – 
And he was like, screw it, do you, do your thing. Like, this is like, a, Hairspray belongs to everybody. And uh, and so to then I begged him to be in the movie, which he was like, no, 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 no. I said, okay, well, you just play the flasher. And he was like, fine, I'll come up and play the flasher. <laughs> so he did the opening number, he did the flasher. Then I get a call from the studio after the movie was done saying, um, John just saw the movie. And I was like, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you, we screened it in New York for John. And I was going insane because I wanted to be there when he saw it. I, I was both, I wanted to be there and I didn't want to yeah, be there, but I wanted yeah, to know pressure. it was happening. And I just got an email saying, dear Adam, I just saw the movie. You've made me the proudest grandfather in the world. Oh, Love John. that's perfect. Yeah. And that, that perfect, was that. So, so that became, that in and of itself made it virtually the perfect experience for yeah. me. Like that's all you can ask for. Look, I'm fucking crying right now. Like, oh. like that made me tear. Like it makes me tear up thinking. That is about not it. what I was expecting. I right. mean, I've I've met him. I've been to his apartment. He's absolutely nice guy. But I, I that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, good story. Yeah. Well, I, I just got one more, and um, I asked you this on the Facebook Live. So sorry. Okay. But uh, different audiences. Mm-hmm. Um, what men want. Yes. No, like centerpiece dance scene. Was no. it? Was it hard? To not do that, or were you okay with that? I was super okay with it because I, I you know, I, you know, it's weird. They asked me if I wanted to put one <laughs> in, and if, where would it go if there was? And I said, if it's not here, it's not here for a reason, and the movie isn't asking for it. So yeah. let's just not do it. Like, I'm, I'm not like the guy who like wants to put that crazy stamp on everything like that, that's I have a million different parts I mean I'm telling you before I did this before I looked at the script and said please I want to do this movie I actually wanted to do a really small dark mother-daughter character piece I want to I'm looking at dramas and thrillers and all that yes I'm I'm doing I have other musicals on my plate and all that but I really didn't I wasn't looking at comedy at all so I you know people are complicated I like to think that I have more sides to me than just comedy and music and all of that. So if there if there's no room for a dance number, I don't want to put a dance number in. I just didn't didn't feel necessary. Yeah, you've had many great dance numbers. So yeah, I've done okay. I've done the some good dance. Good. You know what? I've done some good dance. So <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not mad at dance right now. Well, February 8th, uh, What Men Want. Thank you so much for coming to the Chronicle, coming out here. I didn't have to go to a hotel room to interview you. You came to our dingy archive. I and... like the dingy archive. <laughs> I, I find the smell of actual documents is making me so happy. Like, it reminds me, like, it's like holding a book. It's like yeah. see, holding paper in your hand and turning a page and smelling all that. I am one of those people who misses it. I do not like reading on my I, on my devices. I like things, you well, know, to hold. It makes me feel more whole and real and grounded. I don't know. It's very sentimental. Well, I pulled the John Waters file. You can take a quick look through that. We have our old photos of him. And uh, thank you for coming to the Chronicle. Good luck with the movie. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Daybook Podcast, thanks for listening. You are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you to Adam Shankman. Our producer today is me, Peter Hartlob. Supervising producers are King Kaufman and Libby Coleman. Executive producer is Tim O'Rourke. And our editor-in-chief is Audrey Cooper. Our music is Mozart Symphony 40 in G minor by Blue Dot Sessions. 
Read our columns and subscribe to The Chronicle at www.sfchronicle.com. San Francisco Chronicle podcasts are on Apple Podcasts and other streaming services. Listen at www.sfchronicle.com slash podcasts with an S.